Discover FX's Shogun, the official podcast available now. Every legend begins with a story. Listen and explore episode by episode the story of war, passion, and power set in feudal Japan. Join host Emily Yoshida each week with the creators, cast, and crew in this exclusive companion podcast. They dive deep into the twists and turns of the plot, go behind the scenes, and explore the real-life history that informed the limited series based on James Clavell's best-selling novel. Search FX's Shogun wherever you listen to podcasts. Tax season is approaching, bringing potential extra cash your way. Rather than spending it all on an expensive deal filled with yada yada from your current wireless plan, consider switching to Metro by T-Mobile for no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada you don't take yada yada in life don't take yada yada from your wireless provider metro by t-mobile has no contracts no credit checks no surprises and nada yada yada stop by one of over six thousand metro stores nationwide this episode is brought to you by alienware during dell tech fest score game-changing innovations with limited time deals on select next-gen alienware gaming tech new dimensions await with advanced gaming systems like the alienware m18 laptop powered by an intel core i9 processor featuring awe-inspiring visuals liquid cooling three-dimensional audio with dolby atmos and impressive overclocking potential your dream setup amazing prices and free shipping await you for a limited time only at alienware deals. That's alienware.com slash deals. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids just like yours, and all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We are joined, as always, with our super producer, Paul Mission Control Deccan. Most importantly, you are you, you are here, and that makes this the stuff they don't want you to know. It is Thursday, if you're listening to this, on the day it comes out, which means I'd like to officially welcome you to our weekly listener mail segment. We dive into the uh, nooks and crannies of social media. We hunt down strange, mysterious voices on the phone across the planet. Uh, We read every single email we get, and we once again, every week, face the Herculean task of finding just three stories to share with you. The best part of our show, our fellow conspiracy realists, we're going to talk about nuclear weapons. We're going to talk about the center of the universe. We're going to talk about some of the arithmetic of fraud, and we're doing it all with your help. Where would you guys like to begin? I want to know about the secrets of the universe personally, but that's just me. Well, Ah. it's not the secrets of the universe, but we can start here as it is the center apparently of it. Oh, my bad. (laughs) Secret center, tomato, (laughs) clamato. Yes. Let us begin there, Noel. 
And to travel there, we have to go to an email sent to us by Ram JJ Ram. (laughs) No, no, I'm supposed to say it. Ram JJ Ram. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like a Bond James Bond situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. That's it. Ram JJ Ram says, Hey guys, love the show. Curious if you've ever covered a location in Tulsa, Oklahoma, referred to as, quote, the center of the universe. It's apparently an urban site which possesses a strange acoustic anomaly. I've read up on a lot of speculation as to why, but I'm very curious to hear your thoughts. I've never been there, but it seems to be quite a fantastic place to experience. Keep the awesomeness flowing, guys. Then there's the Ram JJ Ram part. Uh, So let us travel there to Tulsa, Oklahoma, to the center of the universe. You may think, oh, there's probably some kind of monument here, some kind of big sign that says, hey, you're at the center of the universe, some kind of really important structure that lets you know this is where you are. But alas, no, (laughs) you kind of just have to find it. (laughs) It's not like that place where you're standing in four states at once. It is not like that. It is that place has a monument. It tells tells (laughs) you where to stand. That's all. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Perhaps there is some signage. I haven't seen an actual picture of the sign, if there is one. I've just seen the center of the universe, which is a round collection of bricks that it's in a circular form here, and it kind of goes out from one centerpiece, which is kind of green. And supposedly, if you stand right at the center of this circle and you speak or you whisper, a weird thing happens. Your voice becomes kind of like an echo chamber. And you may think, okay, well then there's got to be some kind of surrounding buildings or walls or something in the immediate area that's going to reflect that sound of your voice when you're standing right there. But again, no, this thing is open. It's very, very open. It's on a pedestrian bridge. If you want to get there, it's on the corner of West Archer Street and North Boston Avenue. That's at least the way you uh, can go across the bridge to get to the center of the universe. And it's uh, this is according to Atlas Obscura, directly northwest of the old Union Train Depot, which is now the Oklahoma Jazz Hall of Fame. Pretty cool. So what do you think, guys? I don't understand how this functions. It must be buildings that are some far away or some surface that's some distance away from this center that is causing the reflection. Cause it doesn't seem, there doesn't seem to be anything at least immediately apparent that would cause that kind of reflection. Do you think it might have something to do with some sort of wave anomaly, like some electromagnetic interference that's literally, you know, interfering. I mean, as we know, all sound are waves uh, that are just vibrations that we're picking up with our ears that can be, intercepted, they can be bounced, they can be manipulated uh, by lots of things, whether it be surfaces or, you know, actual interference. I'm wondering if it might be that. Are people conjecturing as to what it might be? I haven't seen any major conjecture on what exactly is causing it because it doesn't, it doesn't appear that you have to stand in a certain direction. You don't have to face east or west or anything like that to get the anomaly to occur. It has something to do with the sound be- like originating from that circle. There are no speakers around or anything like that where sound is being taken in by a microphone and then played back, at least to my knowledge. 
Well, uh, this may be interesting to you, Ram, J.J. Ram. Uh, at least for my money, there's an explanation that takes us, it starts with science, but then also takes us to some cool esoteric places. Uh, Shane Wood, the director of the Tulsa Foundation of Architecture, notes uh, something similar to what you said earlier, Matt, which is that when you were hearing this distortion, you would think you would be surrounded by buildings, And there are structures that are probably creating this, but they're not buildings. They're the concrete benches and planters. Uh, And not to jump ahead, but I assume that's why you're talking a little more about the layout. This is also not an ancient anomaly. It's not like the first founders of what would be called Tulsa arrived and then saw some, you know, standing stones. It was once a bridge for... Uh, before it was a pedestrian path, it was once a bridge for motor vehicles, and it burned down in the 80s, and that's when the circular design was put in, when it was rebuilt. So what you're, what you're hearing is your voice bouncing back off of those concrete walls, similar to what you might hear if you are in an enclosed parking deck or an underground parking deck uh, or in a cave. You know what I mean? Uh, it's It's fascinating. It's great marketing. It also is not necessarily unique. Chichen Itza had a whispering gallery, and I think there's a cathedral as well, St. Paul's maybe. But Matt, you said, I'm sorry, maybe I misunderstood that this was an open area where there were no visible surfaces for the sound to be bouncing off of. No visible buildings. Yeah, it is an open area. It's on a pedestrian bridge, and it's not covered or anything like that. But what, what Ben is speaking about is the... I mean, it's a it's a pedestrian bridge, so there is stuff like that, right? The walls that would prevent anyone from going over the bridge or something like that. There are a bunch of benches and other like little small pillars or pylons that are there. Um, so I'm I'm guessing that is what is actually causing it, as as Ben is saying. I guess it would make sense if there's a similar spot in Lake George that has the same thing. You can look that up, the Lake George mystery spot. I think if you search for the center of the universe, you will also find your way to the Lake George mystery spot. It's very similar, very, very similar. Same kind of deal. Open, uh, but there are benches and concrete walls and things around that are probably causing this same uh, anomaly. I'd like to uh, also recommend something that I want to make recurring. Uh, if if I'm if I'm allowed to do it, I would love to shout out a weird wiki page every time we do listener mail because this will lead you to. And who doesn't love a good Wikipedia rabbit hole? This will lead you to uh, a site, (laughs) a wiki page called List of Places Referred to as the Center of the Universe, which also sounds like a good title for a postmodern novel. Uh, But but be ready for it because it is a time vampire. My bedroom is the center of the universe because that's where I sleep and I I'm the center of the, no, I'm kidding. Um, but no, this is, I, I'm really obviously interested in acoustic anomalies and just acoustic uh, behavior. Just the, like, again, the sound is all waves. If you really dig deep into like synthesis and things like that, you realize that a synthesizer isn't, uh, it's using electricity to recreate the waves that are, are voices or things that you would strike, you know, um, in, in the environment or in the world would make uh, that, that create certain shapes. If you like uh, analyze them on an oscilloscope and this type of stuff has been exploited, you know, for since the beginning of recorded music, um, early recorded music, it would have been more like, you know, just a room and getting the sound of a live kind of room. But then in like early recording studios, you know, Capitol records, for example, 
still has these, um, they have these kind of parking garage situations like Ben was describing underneath the, uh, the building, which is, if you've been to LA, it's um, this kind of like record shaped stacked building. And those are some of the most sought after reverb sounds in recorded music, but they're literally just a, uh, an enclosure um, with a speaker that's connected to, you know, the soundboard that is sending out whatever source you want to reverberate. And that speaker is playing that source into the chamber. And then a microphone is in there far enough away from it that it's capturing the sound of that sound uh, reverberating in that room. And you can send multiple things to that speaker. And that's how you get like, you know, drum reverb or vocal reverb. And they have several that are all set up a little bit differently and sized a little bit differently. So if you've ever like felt compelled to say, Oh, you know, in like a parking garage, it's a very human thing to want to do because it's a pleasant sound and it's a sound that, you know, happens in nature. And even my little home studio, I have these panels I don't want my room to have those reflections. I want to hear the most accurate sound from my studio monitors. And if you introduce those kinds of reflections, it cuts into that and it tricks your ear into thinking it emphasizes certain frequencies over others and makes it hard to kind of really hone in on what the actual sound that you're hearing is. So that's why more than soundproofing people treat studios is to make it sound a certain way by eliminating things like standing waves or, you know, reflections like we're talking about here. Yeah, absolutely. It's why you sound great in the shower, no matter who you are. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right? Well, that's why people put reverb on vocals, because it sort of hides the imperfections of the performance, you know, because it sort of smears it a little bit. So it makes it where, you know, even if you're not the most amazing singer, it still sounds cool because you're hearing that sound that just kind of makes it sound larger than life and like this sort of ethereal, shimmery echo, you know. Mm-hmm. So thank you so much, Ram. JJ Ram for sending us that message. If you know of a place like that near you, not necessarily an acoustic anomaly, but maybe just a place that's a little mysterious or weird, something strange happens when you look at something or shout something, we want to hear from you. You know our number 1833STDWYTK and also conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com. And with that, we're going to take a quick break and come back for more stories from you. Join Metro. They help you stay ahead of the game with nada, yada, yada. That means no contracts, no credit checks, and no surprises. Outsmarting yada, yada means, uh, you know, taxis and stuff. Shady subscriptions. Did you guys ever order something online and you thought it was just like a one-time purchase, but then you found yourself subscribed? Yeah, I had to call and stop payment on something because I had subscribed to it through Apple Pay. And even though I had like put a new card on there, it still was uh, tied to whatever card was associated with my Apple Pay. So I had to like go through this whole process of getting it pulled. It was really, really annoying. Well, that'll never happen with Metro by T-Mobile because you don't take yada yada in life and you're not going to take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada, helping you stay ahead without compromising on things you love the most. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. 
Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great conversation. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zigazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Zigazoo is moderated by real live people who review content before it's posted on the feed. Oh, <laughs> I especially love the dance challenges. So much fun. Oh, and there's no comments or messaging, so you don't get any of that negativity that's all over other social networks. All oh, my friends love it. I love that it's kid-safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Uh, that's great, but I wouldn't be doing Zigazoo if it wasn't fun. She would not be doing it if I didn't think her data was safe. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids! <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. And we're back with more stories from you. That's right, you. This one comes from uh, a listener with another amazing, kind of Bond-like, uh, Bond-adjacent um, name, Ernie. Ernie Powers. He didn't print it like that, but I'm choosing to say it to keep us you know, on brand. Um, and Ernie is a CPA. And he, he had this to say. Hey, guys, love the show. I'm a CPA, uh, and I've been exposed to a couple of instances of fraud over the course of my career. And the ways an individual might find his or herself committing fraud is very similar to Matt's takeaway on the way the Marines would have gotten involved in smuggling. It's called the 10-10-80 rule, and it states that 10% of people will always look for a way to steal or game the system. Um, this is me. I guess you could qualify those as like pure career criminals, right? Uh, 10% of people are the opposite and would never do such a thing. And the other 80% can go either way, depending on the circumstances. If opportunity, rationalization, and incentive, referred to as the fraud triangle, exists, they are capable of committing fraud or a similarly nefarious act. When you consider 64% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck, the incentive can be very easy to find. Matt nailed the rationalization, I believe, with that same comparison, um, as someone generally just needs to feel like they were promised something that hasn't been delivered. Uh, since those two factors are so prevalent, we stress the importance of managing the opportunity employees have to commit fraud. The components of the fraud triangle are often compared to the components necessary to create fire. Oxygen is always present. It's not difficult to find some type of fuel. So when a source of heat is applied, nobody is surprised that a fire breaks out. We may be shocked that certain types of people can commit these acts, but sometimes it truly just boils down to someone seeing an opportunity to make life a little better for his or her family. There are obviously people that are seeking financial gain to take vacations or improve their financial status through clothes, vehicles, etc. But oftentimes that's not how these things start, or at least in my experience. I don't know how useful any of this is. Uh, very useful, Ernie. Uh, and I'm probably just giving you guys info you already know. No, not at all. Uh, but feel free to share this if you want. They call me Ernie Powers. Yeah, I was not aware of the fraud triangle. Um, it makes perfect sense. When I looked it up, it is almost entirely attributed to like accounting, 
Like, the, yep. but, but it applies so much broader than that. It's such an interesting mm-hmm. thing that like, this is a concept that is very much taught in business school and taught to, you know, people that are professional CPAs or accountants in order to like understand and mitigate fraud. But yet mm-hmm. it really is something that applies to just kind of, I guess you call it white collar crime, right? The kinds of things that maybe you might argue are victimless crimes, you know, but, but if you drill down deep enough, I mean, there's always a victim. Yeah. And uh, one thing I really appreciate about you taking the time to write in, Ernie, is that the difference between like a strange news or listener mail segment versus an actual episode is that we want to bring kind of a, a Whitman sampler yes. of different different stories to you. And then we often explore these in, in full episodes. I believe we talked about it on that uh on that strange news where we broke down some of the process. So we did have to spend some time talking about the specifics of the instance. And that is why it's awesome that you are sharing this information about the fraud triangle. Uh, Noel, I would go on. I would say that it goes uh, past that, not just past accounting, but but past, you know, so-called victimless crimes as well, because the human mind has long been capable of cognitive parkour, of rationalization. And yes. it's, it, it's something that knows no threshold of intelligence or lack thereof. People are very good at rationalizing things. People are opportunists, of course. Most all living things are. And uh, I think it's, it's a, a rubric or an idea that one can apply to many, 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 many things uh, and there are a lot of interesting social experiments that you can conduct that also uh, present cases where this triangle goes into play. For sure. And I found a really neat article on the website of the business school INSEED. I think that's how it's pronounced. I-N-S-E-A-D. And Manfred F.R. Ketz DeVries, uh, the distinguished clinical professor of leadership development and organizational change at INSEED, who also possesses an amazing name and an even more amazing headshot um, you can find on this article. He described the concept of white collar crime. Um, It's not it's not a purely like intuitive thing. I mean, even the concept of like blue collar jobs versus white collar jobs, like I don't fully know the the etymology or the history of those, but the term white collar crime was coined in 1939 by a criminologist named Edwin Sutherland. Um, and, and I'm getting this from that article. And uh, he refers to white collar crime as being associated with the educated and affluent and refers to them as a financially motivated, nonviolent wrongdoing that takes place in the office environment and involves the manipulation of accounting and finance systems. So, you know, insider trading, embezzlement, for example, things like that. It's a crime of opportunity. Um, And as Ernie points out, opportunity is one of the most important, you know, components of the the fraud triangle. Um, The other one is motivation. So it could be motivated by say like, you know, drug addiction, or uh, let's say you have a family member, quote unquote, benevolent versions of this. Let's say you have a child or a family member that is, you know, uh, very ill and you can't afford to pay the hospital bills. And you see this thing present itself to you and you are able to rationalize, well, I need this. I'm not being taken care of. I mean, especially as Ernie pointed out, people living paycheck to paycheck and living in a country like ours where, you know, healthcare is absolutely not a right. uh, And most people don't have healthcare that's good enough to cover some sort of 
catastrophic event like that. You see this as the plot of movies all the time. You know, someone like uh, Walter White. It's not a white-collar crime that he commits. He decides to cook meth using the skills that he has, but he's doing it uh, for what seemed to be at the time a benevolent reason. He wants to leave his family with some money after he dies because he's been diagnosed with terminal cancer. It's it's really like a plot device you see all over the place. Um, but as I pointed out earlier, <laughs> there often is a, uh, a victim um, at some point in the chain. And it's usually not the big guys. It's usually someone else uh, because as the same article points out, white collar crime um, costs the global economy around $5 trillion a year. Um, and, and that's, you know, that's a big hit uh, in a way that I think would probably affect others that are connected to the global economy who aren't the hedge fund types, you know, or the CEO types. Well, at least according to this rule, we know that only 90% of people can be committing fraud at any given time because there will always be that 10 that won't. Silver yeah. lining. Yep. But it's all, not always the same 10. It <laughs> depends on what the rationalizations and the opportunities are uh, that are presented in each particular case. But it is a, it is a nice thought. Uh, in this case, one thing that's really interesting about what you're bringing up, Ernie, one thing that I really appreciate is – that this also presents us with a case that I didn't uh, I, I didn't tease out the entirety of it, to bring it back to Marines and human trafficking, which is simply this: those guys were not the ringleaders by any any stretch, right? There was there was coordination on the other side of the border by someone a coyote or cartels, uh, someone who was uh, higher up in the chain orchestrating this and you have to wonder at that point what their motivation set looks like what their rationalization set looks like humans are fascinating mechanisms for sure but i i do think um i do think it's important to remember that in this case um human traffic any kind of illegal border movement activity contains both what you would call street-level crime and white-collar crime. So the, we could apply this fraud motivation triangle, or we could apply this fraud triangle to people at the top of the pyramid and people uh, second from the bottom, because, of course, the people who are at the bottom are the folks who are often disadvantaged, if not outright helpless, who have valuable human lives, who are being exploited uh, by by criminals, you know, and it's it's tough to know the motivations, but I think it is especially valuable, Ernie, for all our fellow conspiracy realists to know that a framework exists through which you can determine to a degree uh, a person's motivations for an action or activity, as well as a little bit of their future likelihood sure. to commit things like fraud in particular in the future. One one point that I found in that NSEED article that I thought was interesting um, when it comes to the pressure component of the fraud triangle is uh, they reference the Wells Fargo account fraud scandal where like, you know, employees that are like, you know, lower level employees are making all these duplicate accounts so that they can like hit their quotas of, you know, these fees and all of that. Um, the article points out that if the employee believes that they are being ordered to do something wrong, they might not feel personally responsible, which is something we've seen in what was that study, Ben? The Milgram uh, experiment. The Milgram yeah. experiment, where you know you're you're ordered to yeah. torture somebody, you're able to kind of like you know um, 
offlay that responsibility to your supervisor and therefore start to look at yourself more as a tool of that person. And maybe you're in the situation because this is your job and you therefore you need the job. So it's easier to kind of justify your actions because you're attributing them to somebody that's, you know, telling you what to do. Um, and another a video I think I, I watched pointed out that one way to mitigate this is to make sure that, you know, corporations are establishing clear ethical lines, you know, where there is an there is a framework of ethics at every level of leadership, because if you think that your bosses are perpetrating fraud or asking you to perpetrate fraud, chances are you're not going to feel bad at all about doing it for yourself and taking a little piece. So on that note, uh, let us uh, take a little pause and then we'll be back with some more messages from you. Join Metro. They help you stay ahead of the game with nada, yada, yada. That means no contracts, no credit checks, and no surprises. Outsmarting yada, yada means, uh, you know, taxis and stuff. Shady subscriptions. Did you guys ever order something online and you thought it was just like a one-time purchase, but then you found yourself subscribed? Yeah, I had to call and stop payment on something because I had subscribed to it through Apple Pay. And even though I had like put a new card on there, it still was tied to whatever card was associated with my Apple Pay. So I had to like go through this whole process of getting it pulled. It was really, really annoying. Well, that'll never happen with Metro by T-Mobile because you don't take yada yada in life. And you're not going to take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada, helping you stay ahead without compromising on things you love the most. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscored team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit Underscored.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billy's vocals. It was automatic art. You know, I had to, like, choose a more challenging route than just, like, da-da-da-da. You know what I'm saying? Like, it could have been, like, easier. And a lot of people have asked me, like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and, like, so simple? And what else was it going to... Like, that's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zigazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Zigazoo is moderated by real live people who review content before it's posted on the feed. (laughs) I especially love the dance challenges. So much fun. Oh, and there's no comments or messaging, so you don't get any of that negativity that's all over other social networks. All my friends love it. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Uh, that's great, but I wouldn't be doing Zigazoo if it wasn't fun. She would not be doing it if I didn't think her data was safe. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids! <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. And we've returned with one more piece of correspondence. 
So Biker Girl takes the email route and writes to us at conspiracy at iheartradio.com saying the following. Hi, guys. The current situation in Ukraine has me thinking about the U.S.'s nuclear arsenal. What weapons do we have? What can each of them do? How many of them do we have? What does Russia have? Of course, some of this is probably secret, but what is known? I just don't think the common Joe knows this stuff, and it would be informative to know given current events. Stay cool, biker girl. Well, thanks, BG. (laughs) I never was particularly cool, uh, but I do appreciate it. So this this is interesting because when I see this talked about often, just in base terms or whatever they call it, high-level conversations in mass media, they don't talk about some of the exceptions. So what I'd like to do is just very briefly break down the numbers and then also break down some of the stuff they don't want you to know that loopholes, candidly loopholes the ever-loving out of some of those numbers. So first, there are a ton of nuclear we- well <laughs> i mentioned tons earlier it's 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 a great idiom but it's not the best unit of measurement uh for these More conversations like megatons or what are we talking there about? we go yeah it's uh th- there are quite a few there are thousands and thousands uh as you see if you look at reputable places like the federation of american scientists uh, they've estimated that due to treaties regarding partial nuclear dismantlement uh, right now, as of early 2022, there are an estimated 12,700 warheads possessed by a, a group, a consortium of about nine countries. 90% of all nuclear warheads on the planet, and probably in space if that happens, are owned by Russia and the United States. That makes them the nuclear superpowers, but nuclear weaponry is a great and dangerous equalizer. You know, if you are a state positioned in the right place and you have one nuke, you still have a terrible Wonka-esque golden ticket to start World War III. It's not the same as one machine gun versus 30. Uh, So what happens here is that we're looking at these numbers, you're going to see variance in estimates. You're going to see things like uh, the way Federation of American Scientists puts it is that Russia and the U.S. have around 4,000 warheads in their military stockpiles. The issue is warheads have a couple of different states. So if a warhead or a nuclear armament is in storage, then you can't whip it out. It's not like hopping in the garage on the weekend and taking your jag out for a spin. You got to do a lot of stuff to make sure it works. Uh, and you have to be very careful because it's a nuclear weapon. So it's, it's, uh, there are high state consequences, what I'm saying. Is it an issue, Ben, of it degrading over time or leakage or problems with maintenance? Or is it more just a procedural thing like you really got to, you know, get it hooked up to the right gear to make it go? Uh, e, all of the above, I would say on that, on that uh, LSAT question. Yeah, there, there are a ton of things you have to check, right? And there's a, a lot of it is estimates. Honestly, Biker Girl, because you're, you nailed it about the secrecy. The exact number of nuclear weapons in each country's possession is a closely held national secret. 
You don't want all your cards on the table because then you are putting yourself in a disadvantageous position in the game. Most nuclear-armed states don't really give you a ton of information about the size of their nuclear stockpiles, but they do have varying degrees of secrecy. As a matter of fact, between 2010 and 2018, the U.S. disclosed its total stockpile size, and they they did this routinely. And if you believe them, then that's all well and good. Uh, In 2019, under the Trump administration, the U.S. stopped that practice. Uh, This was called nuclear uh, transparency. So if you if you look at a table, you'll see that um, there are a couple of different ways to break these down. Not all of them, as I said, are in the same are in the same state, and some of them can't get there. Like total number of warheads is not really the answer you're looking for. Like if you say, okay, if you look at everything, at total inventory. Russia actually has more nuclear armaments officially than the U.S. If you look at everything, they have about 5,977 to the U.S. is 5,428. But some of those are reserve. They're in storage. They're in military stockpiles. They're not non-deployed, it's called, or they are waiting in line, essentially, to be safely dismantled. What you really want to look at is what uh, the warheads that are considered deployed strategic warheads. Russia has about 1,588. The U.S. has about 1,644. They are by far the the biggest numbers in the game. There's no like Shyamalan plot twist with all of a sudden, you know, Namibia having 6,000 warheads just out in subs somewhere. I would say also more importantly for people who have to think about the possibility of nuclear war, we have to consider that the amount of warheads total, while it's a fun number to know, (laughs) fun, uh, while it's a number that's important to know, you need to know how many are strategically deployed, and perhaps more importantly, you need to know their locations. So it's, it's well and good to know Russia has X amount of nuclear armament, uh, and of those, X amount are actually deployed somewhere. But the real, the sauce, you know what I mean? The real juicy stuff is to know where they are deployed, uh, what state they are in, are they in high alert, so on. So, for instance, if you take subs out of the equation, which you definitely should not, Uh, The country of Russia has about 25 ICBM launch sites, right? Uh, Those can theoretically be negated by the U.S.'s 20 B-2 stealth bombers. Stealth bombers are tough to catch. They can can do that drive-by, you know what I mean? So those could theoretically be rendered inoperative. The danger, the real danger for a lot of folks is the submarine fleet because submarines, both the nuclear-powered ones and the diesel-electric, as they're called, are very, very good at being quiet. They're very, very good at sneaking around. Uh, They're very good at not being caught or being seen until they want to be. And when we talk about the danger of nuclear 
deployment of first strike capability, then we're talking in a very real way about the possibility of a submarine surfacing, just like that Chinese sub did during a U.S. military exercise a few years back, and totally catching everyone unawares. That means that no matter how quickly people scramble to put in whatever contingencies they have, the missile could already launch. And not to be alarmist, but that's that's a real thing. Um, as we talked about last week, uh, Ukraine did have its own nukes for a while in the 90s. They denuclearized. We also, let's see, what weapons do we have? We gave you some of those numbers. We said they're not all created equal. Uh, in terms of what they can each do and, uh, you know, the different, let's call them genres of nuclear weaponry, that feels like a full episode. I do want to point out that uh, given the uh, relatively decrepit state of a lot of Russian hardware, I would not be surprised if some of their stuff just needs to be mothballed. Like in Ukraine, one of the reasons... Uh, they may have been using that Z on different vehicles, right, to indicate, hey, we're friends, uh, is because a lot of their communication is on unencrypted analog radio. Oh, wow. Yeah, so they're not perhaps as capable as a lot of Cold War hawks uh, wanted us to believe once upon a time. Um, I don't know how much further we want to go into this before – Uh, doing an episode on it. But I do want to note that there are loopholes or problems with the big daddy of nuclear dismantlement agreements, the Nuclear Non-Proliferation Treaty, which we've mentioned on the show in the past. It's been in play for like 35 years, 189 countries signed it. For the record, uh, think of it like every country in the world, but around three basically. Uh, It is almost always at a crisis point, and it's not perfect. It does have loopholes. Some things that the average person would consider nuclear weapons don't necessarily apply under that treaty, because a treaty is by nature an exercise in compromise, right? Pardon the accidental rhyme, uh, hashtag accidental rhyme. What you need to know right now is that we will work on an episode exploring as in-depth as possible, the actual deliverable nuclear capability of both Russia and the U.S. Uh, A lot of the estimates that you're going to read, again, vary because they are estimates. They are based on sometimes propagandistic leaks, sometimes good faith insider leaks, sometimes just guesses from people in the industry. But What you should know in terms of deployed nuclear weapons right now, if you're looking at the warheads, the warheads are like the uh, tip of the arrow, okay? They're they're like the needle of the dart. An intercontinental ballistic missile itself is just sort of a delivery system for the warhead, right? The bombers, the submarines, those are the things you have to watch out for. And right now, Russia does have a ton of those that are deployed, that are active. You heard the statement a while back where Vladimir Putin put them on high alert. Uh, The U.S. is also playing this game. ICBMs, submarine payloads, bombers. And this, this is a 
scary situation because going back to the importance of location, Biker Girl, uh, one thing that has long been a very sore point for the Russian government is that the U.S. nuclear weapons that are deployed, they're not all just in a state of readiness out there in the hinterlands of this continent. They're not all just in subs. Uh, There are about 100, around 100 nuclear weapons, U.S.-made, U.S.-owned, stored in Europe. And they are at, wait for it, NATO bases, because NATO allows Uncle Sam to build a house in your backyard. Uh, They're in Italy, Germany, Turkey, the Netherlands, Belgium, Uh, And one of the big things from the Russian perspective they're pushing against is the idea of NATO bases being in new NATO countries, like further and further east, because for them, that is the same thing as nuclear weapons getting closer and closer to the Russian border. Um, There is a thing called the START Treaty, which has a lot of information about this, mainly phrased as ways to put caps on how many nuclear warheads can be deployed. But there are multiple very dangerous ways that this could go wrong. Uh, I want to pause here to ask you guys, do you think it would be worthwhile to do an episode on actual nuclear capabilities? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, there's got to be, you know, details out there that we could sort of puzzle piece together and kind of figure out largely what the score is. I know how important secrecy is, but you made some really good points, Ben. I think it'd be worth kind of sussing out bigger picture. There were rumors recently, I believe coming out of Russia and correct me if I'm wrong here, guys, that Ukraine was at least according to their intelligence, preparing to detonate some kind of dirty nuclear bomb or weapon. Mm. And again, these are these are rumors coming out and it just it makes me want to know exactly how many ballistic missile submarines exist around the globe that could potentially launch an attack if there if a nuke was you know detected by some of these systems that are aging that are supposed to let countries know if a nuke has gone off. And in the case of a dirty bomb, it wouldn't be the same, obviously, but it's still just scary to imagine some small nuclear explosion could occur and then like automated systems could get triggered or mostly automated. Tighten dead hand. Yeah. Or I would like to point out again, the nation of Israel has officially never confirmed that they have nuclear weapons, but they do have the, the government of Israel does have a policy that (laughs) that is uh, I'm, I'm laughing because I'm a fan of gallows humor, but the policies I understand it is essentially that if any nation fires for any reason, at the at the Middle Eastern nation of Israel, then they're just going to fire everything. You know what I mean, Kawabunga style. Uh, and no, and that's a nobody wants nuclear Kawabunga. No one wants to see that. Uh, <laughs> but that's where we're at. So what we'll do, Biker Girl, is uh, we will we'll call it a day for now. We are going to return with an episode uh, asking. How many nukes actually exist? Thank you so very much. Also, of course, thank you to Mr. Ernie Powers, first of his name. Thank you to Rams, J.J. Rams. And thank you to all of our fellow conspiracy realists who have wrote in today. If you would like to continue the conversation, you can always find us online. We're on Facebook at Here's Where It Gets Crazy. Uh, We're on Instagram. You can find us as individuals if you want to reach out that way. Uh, And if you don't sip those social meads, 
Have no fear. I can't wait to hear your opinions via a telephone. We have a number and everything. That's right. Our number is one eight three three stdwytk When you call in, please give yourself a cool nickname. Let us know if we can use your name and message. And then you've got three minutes. Use them however you wish. We'd love to hear from you. Please do call in one eight three three stdwytk If you don't want to use your phone for that purpose, maybe use it for a different one, an old-fashioned one. You can send us an email. We are conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billie's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like da 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 da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me, like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it going to like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. 